Mic check, mic check. This is the 12th episode. We got a good one. <clears throat> I want to first start off by congratulating the 2019 class NFL Pro Hall of Fame class of 2019. Um, it was a good that this, this was a pretty good class this year. You had Champ Bailey, Ty Law, um, Tony Gonzalez, every most notable ones getting inducted. Um, so I found that as that's always good, always good. They did a pretty good job with getting guys in this year. Um, so we had a great class. Hall of Fame game was pretty good. We had our first pass interference calls challenge. Um, it wasn't successful, so I, you know, that's I find that very interesting. We're gonna, I think we're gonna, we're gonna, of course, we're gonna see a lot of these calls being challenged this year with that new rule in play. Um, due to the Saints complaining about the how about the way the NFC Championship game was resulted and concluded. Um, but first, we're gonna start with some basketball. Um, we're going to start with some basketball news first, and then I end it off with football. Um, so we got a lot to talk about, and let's talk about, we're going to talk about Draymond Green and his extension that the Warriors decided to go through, um, because he, he was a pending free agent this coming summer, uh, but I didn't, I didn't really realize, I didn't really think that he would leave the Warriors. I don't think that was a realistic shot. Or I don't I didn't see that. If anything, I thought the Warriors, if they wanted to go a different route, they may try to look for a possibility to trade him. But I didn't see that happening either. I thought both sides were gonna come up with a a good number, a good amount, a, a deal where he stays and Clay comes back. I think the Warriors are still gonna be a playoff team. Um, I don't. I, I think with the combination of Steph and D'Angelo Russell and Steve Kerr and Draymond Green in the system that they already have in place. I don't think the Warriors, I, you know, I, it's going to be a drop-off. I think it's going to be tougher than the year. It's going to be tougher than in year, than years past uh, throughout the regular season. But I think I still see this as a good, a good, a good basketball team. This team is not bad. That they have, um, yeah, they're gonna—they're not gonna be the best defensively. I—I—I uh, I, I can expect to see some drop-offs defensively and they're on that side of the floor. But offensively and them not clicking, I think it will. I think it'll work. Steph will be playing off the ball. D'Angelo Russell that gives Steph some some energy that is going to be much needed. I think Steph actually has a great year. I think he has one of those years. Uh, very similar, similar and close to that those MVP type seasons. Most notably, that unanimous MVP season where he won it unanimously. I think I think Steph will have a similar season to that. He's hitting a lot of threes. I think he'll be in that. You know, instead of his twenty four, twenty five points per game, I think twenty seven, twenty eight might be needed from Steph. I think he might be on his way to be doing that this year. Um, they still have Draymond, they still have D'Angelo Russell, they still have three, two, two legit all-stars, but three legitimate all-stars on the floor, um, on that roster, so this, this is not a bad team that they have, it's just that they're gonna, when they, after the sixth or seventh guy, you're gonna be looking down the bench and like, 
who are the rest of those guys? It's gonna be it's gonna be challenging far as depth wise, and it's just interesting because their motto and their like go to saying is strengthening numbers, but the way how the Warriors are paying a lot of well paying a lot of their players, their top notch guys between Draymond, Igadol, between Draymond, D'Angelo Russell, Steph, and Clay. The Warriors are paying over $500 million for all four of those guys. You look at the cap space, look at the salary cap, and look what they have. They have nothing. They have nothing else to spread. So, you know, and, it, you know, it was important for them to resign Clay, of, of course, obviously. You know, they, they, they got D'Angelo Russell. They got him even despite losing Durant, and they had to get rid of Iguodala to get D'Angelo Russell, they lose Livingston, they lose Quinn, Quinn Cook, they lose DeMarcus Cousins. Um, they were able, st- they were able to still attain in some guys like Kavon Looney, who I like, who I think fits with them very well. They a- they're able to keep some of those the core pieces. They were able to keep some of the core pieces, and that's that that's that's good. So that's why I, I now. I, if, are they a top four team in the West? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I think that top four in the West is going to be really interesting um, because, like, the top my my top five teams in the West as we sit here today, and I had if you told me come up with a top five list, a top the top team the top five teams in the West, you told me I had to come up with a list. The Warriors would not be in it, but. I don't think there's much or if any separation between this top five that I'm that I'm going to give you right now. And you can go back and listen to previous podcasts where throughout free agency and once the major free agents were signed and were in place, I had gave you guys somewhat of what I think a standings. I didn't give you a Pacific win total for all of the teams, but... I gave you somewhat what the standings, what I think the standings would look like. Um, so my top team in the West, even though the, even though Paul George is he's gonna miss probably the first month or first few weeks of the season, I I think the Clippers with them adding Paul George obviously and Kawhi Leonard Finals MVP, I think with them adding those pe- that th- those two pieces, I think they. I think they get. To, I think they're the best team in the West. Now, like I said, I much of a gap between the other four teams and the Clippers. But from my estimate, the Clippers were a forty-eight win team last year. Um, some people don't like to dwell on the fact that they took the Warriors to six. I'm not going to bring that point up, but they did take the Warriors to six. Um, they won. They won two. They won all. They won both of those games at Oracle. They have Doc Rivers, a Hall of Fame coach. They have a Hall of Fame front office with Jerry West. So, I mean, why not? The Clippers, I, I, I see them as the best team in the West. I see them as the best team in the league. Um, I look what they're gonna I look that I look at what they could do possibly on defense. It's gonna be tremendous. I I expect the Clippers to be uh, a top ten a top five offensive team and defensive team as far as efficiency. Uh, they have good. They have good guards defensively with Patrick Beverly. 
Um, I, I like what he brings. Of course, he's a dog. He's gonna do. He's gonna. He's gonna play defense. He's gonna strap. He's gonna strap the guy up that he's guarding, and he can knock down a couple perimeter shots if needed. Um, I look at Montrez Harold. He's a guy. He's a smaller five, which is good. And which is good in in today's game. Athletic. He's a great rim runner. Um, he's gonna block a lot of shots. He knows how to rotate. He can rotate. He can switch. So he he he's gonna be very versatile. Um, Paul and we know about how good Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are defensively. Those guys are on a year in year out basis all NBA first team defensive type guys. I mean Kawhi Leonard won multiple defensive player of the year titles, and Paul George is as good as defender. These are probably the best two way players in the league as far as offense and defense and the combination of both. These are probably the two best. The two best two-way players in the league. So with that, with all that given, then they have Lou Williams coming off the bench, who's a guy that can give you 25 on any given night. I look at that. I look at what they have. I, you know, the the moves, the smart moves that was that that's been made by Jerry West t- to build this team. I, uh, you know, I, I I see it. I see them as the best team in the West. But I don't like. I said, there's not much separation. And I have to see them actually play. Um, my second team in the West will probably have to be the Lakers. Um, with LeBron and AD, I think LeBron comes back with vengeance on his on his mind. Uh, he averaged 27-8-8 eight eight last year. It was a down year as far as team success. Uh, Le- we're not used to seeing LeBron not make the playoffs. Uh, I can't remember the last time he even missed the playoffs. Um, iPhones wasn't even a thing. When LeBron, the last time LeBron missed the playoffs, Netflix wasn't even around when LeBron missed the playoffs, or the last time he did. Um, so I have them as my number two team in the West. I could, but I like from I think now the Clippers are my my number one, but from number two to number four, it can flip flop, and I, it's surely going to flip flop during the season. I'm sure that there's not going to be, I'd be surprised, I'm not going to say I'm sure, I'd be surprised if there is a consistent number two team in the West and it doesn't flip-flop from night in, night out with teams either going on winning streaks or teams going on losing streaks. I'm pretty sure the standings are going to flip just about every night. But I like the Lakers as our number two. Um, I like depending on the situation and what happened with them not getting Kawhi and seeing what was left on the market. Looking at the situation, they came out pretty well. Um, they signed Danny Green. They added shooting. Shooting was a big was a big issue for the Lakers. It was probably the biggest issue um, as far as on the court play is shooting. They 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 didn't have enough shooting. They didn't have they didn't have enough bona fide knockdown three point shooters. And we all know in this league you cannot go far. You you can't. I mean it's almost impossible to not to 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 not be able to shoot the three ball in today's game. So they did add shooting. They cleared that missing piece or that issue up last year. They 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 scored. They 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 was able to score a lot of paint points. But they were missing shooters. They added shooters. Um, they, I like what they have in Danny Green. Uh, he's a two-way guy. Who's a he's a three he's a three and D guy. 
who can average about 12, 12, 14 points. He's going to shoot the three ball. He's going to be able to guard multiple wings any, on any given night. I like what they have in, in Danny Green. Anthony Davis, I, they get a prime Anthony Davis. They get an Anthony Davis that is young and just entering his prime. Yes, he's just entering his prime. He's 25, 26. He's just now entering his prime. And I said this a couple weeks ago. I said Anthony Davis is the best American sports player you've never seen play. Anthony, nobody's watching the Pelicans. Nobody's watching the Pelicans outside of New Orleans. You, you barely saw Anthony Davis play. You saw anytime you see him play, he was playing against a good team in the, either in the playoffs or on a Friday, Thursday night. And you was like, oh my God, that guy is so good. It's just that his team is horrible. And now he's on a good team. He's playing with LeBron. He got his thing going on. He's in LA. Anthony Davis is the best player you've never seen play in American sports. And it's just it's just because he played with New Orleans. Who's watching the Pelicans outside of New Orleans? Nobody. So Anthony Davis, he's a before before the, the before the Pelicans decided to not to play him in fourth quarters, Anthony Davis was averaging twenty seven and twelve. Anthony Davis averaging 27-12. The guy is phenomenal. He's a top five player in this league. And then I look at the, look at what they have on the bench. Um, they they're pretty good. They brought in Cousins. They still have Rondo. They have KCP. Um, you know, they add Avery Bradley. I like what they have. They're, it's not a bad roster. Um, could they be four? Can they be fourth in the West? Yeah. Could they be third in the West? Yeah. I just have them at number two right now. Um, number three, I would have to say the Bla- the Blazers. The Blazers, they brung back. They it, it seems like they're going all in with the roster that they have right now. They look for them to make a move before the trade deadline. Cause, and I said this already. They have three bigs that they like and that they have. Three three good big three good bigs too. They have the kid. They have the John Collins kid who was developing, starting to play well. In the postseason. Then. They have Nurkic. Nurkic has come back off an of injury. So it's a good thing that they got. And they brung in Whiteside. Nurkic is coming back off the injury. With the broken leg. So it'll take him time to get his rhythm and groove. Excuse me. It'll take him time to get his rhythm and groove back. But that's why they have Whiteside. Whiteside is a guy that's looking for a contract. A big contract this upcoming summer. He's a free agent. He needs to st- st- he needs to show that he can he's a he's one of the top bigs in the league. Uh, so I think look for Portland to, to move one of those guys. Mainly, it's probably going to be Whiteside because once it, that gives Nurkic some time to get his groove back, get back in the feel of playing basketball. So watch out for that trade, and they might trade Whiteside for. A, a really good role player or a really good like a wing player that they have been missing for just about years now. They've been missing that wing go-to guy for years. And I, it's, it, it looks, this is what Portland is telling us. Portland's like, we're all in on Damon CJ. We love our backcourt. We love our roster. We just going to have to have, I think Portland's one move away from, from being in, like real serious talks with the Clippers and the Lakers and the 76ers and the, they're, they're they're one move away and the team that they have right now assembled 
I think can make the conference finals. You can make a legitimate argument that they can make the conference finals this year. Um, so they made the conference finals last year. I take that into consideration. They have Dame and CJ. Dame and CJ definitely has taken their play offensively, and they kind of they last year in the playoffs they kind of locked in defensively at times. So they have taken that. They have they have grown. I love it too. And my fourth team, my fourth team gonna have to be the Jazz, the Utah Jazz. It's between the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. These are going to be some compelling battles with the Lakers and Jazz and Clippers and Portland and, and, and the Nuggets. And it's going to be so interesting. It's going to be interesting because these five teams, five, four to five teams, are going to be battling for these spots, for these top spots in the West. And we're going to have some great second round, some great second round playoff matches. Like, we get Clippers, Trailblazers in the second round. And Lakers and Utah, Lakers and like it's gonna be great. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great second round. So uh, the Denver Nuggets, I like their front office. Um, they were able to keep some guys. They got Jokic, of course. I think they were able to retain Paul Millsap as well. I like what they have. I'm not as big on Denver as I like some of like like some other people. Um, people love Denver, and I love Denver too. I'm not as I'm not as big. I want to see what they do. I think they I think they're gonna be a 50 win team this year. Um, they'll be they'll be within the top tier in the Western Conference. But I like the Jazz a little bit more. I like what they I like what they do defensively. They have Joe Ingles and they have uh, Rudy Gobert protecting the paint. Um. He's a back. He won the defensive player of the year back to back times. I like what they have with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. Um, I don't. I, I don't think Mike Conley. Is, I don't think he's a like bona fide all star, but he 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 has signs of all star on most nights, and I think that will only help them. They bunk in Bogdanovich. That's another shooter. That's another three and D guy. I love what the Jazz have. I love it. So, you take that all consideration. I didn't even mention the Rockets. I didn't even mention some other teams. I didn't. I didn't even mention those other teams because we were talking about the Warriors. Let's get back to the Warriors. Um, so I think they're gonna make the playoffs. How far they go, I don't know. It's gonna be really interesting. Um, so they made that move. They extended Draymond. I think we all. I think we all anticipated that. So good for the Warriors. Um, smart organization, smart front office. Those guys know what they're doing. Um, let's move on to LeBron. And, and I was having a conversation with some listeners. Um, I've, I've actually been running into the listeners these past few days. And people have been, been coming up and saying, oh, I listened to the podcast. I ran into the podcast. Um, you know, and they may, you know. And what they, what they thought they were like, oh, first thoughts when I heard you say you having a podcast... They thought I'd be talking all LeBron, and I, I think I talked a fair share of LeBron. I don't think I'm su- surprised at myself that I haven't b- talked about LeBron, LeBron, LeBron a lot because I'm a huge LeBron guy. But we were having a conversation. I was having a conversation, or uh, yeah, I was having a, it wasn't a debate necessarily, but I was having a conversation with a listener. 
And it was like, so how many years do, how many prime years do LeBron have? And what I said was two. I think he has two more, like 26, 27, 25, and 8-8 eight and eight or 7-7 seven and seven type seasons. I think he has two more seasons left of that in him. Um, I, cause I think his ritual, his, with him take care of his body, I think that's great. And I think it's good. So I love that fact about LeBron. And that's why, that's what made me say two more like MVP type years. And then I was like, I think after that, he had, he had started, I think you'll start seeing some decline in his game. And it won't be decline this game. It would be, it will, but it would be decline as far declining as far as scoring. Um, he's a physical specimen. He, you know. So I, I said scoring. I said after those two years that I mentioned, I said he's going to be about a twenty point game score, maybe eighteen and nineteen. But I think he'll still have a he'll still have a huge impact on the game due to his playmaking ability, his ability to rebound, his ability to do everything else on the floor but score. That was my whole point. And we talked about players that aged, and these players, some of these players played with LeBron, like D Wade, like and he go he go and this is my thing right here. I looked at, and people was like, oh, LeBron left Miami, and he left Cleveland, and he left Cleveland again. And I was like, those moves were smart. LeBron, when it comes to making, like, smart long-term moves, LeBron's good at that. LeBron's probably the best at that that's, like, in the league. He's great at that. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's been, he's, he's on a run now. But LeBron is great at that. When it comes to making smart, logistical moves, LeBron is good at that. And I don't know why people see that as a bad thing. Some people just don't know when time when it's time to move on. People want to hang on to things. People want to hang on to things even if it's not alive. It's clearly not alive. People say, oh, LeBron left Cleveland. I was like... Okay, LeBron left Cleveland, and this is the second time, right? LeBron left Cleveland. His main, the reason, the purpose, the, the main reason, the purpose that he went back to Cleveland in the first place was to deliver the title or deliver a title to those citizens of Cleveland, Ohio. Correct me if I'm right or wrong. He did that, right, in 2016. He did that. He, 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 he had a promise and he did that. Well, what is the problem with him leaving? And it, it, it don't even be people that's from Cleveland that have a problem with him leaving. It could just be random people. I'm like, what was the problem? What was wrong with him leaving? He got them a title and then Kyrie left. Kevin Love started aging. He started getting hurt, banged up. The roster got older. The roster got slower. Teams got better. <laughs> The Warriors, they, 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 LeBron. That would be a fool for LeBron to stay there. He would. I would look at LeBron totally different if he didn't make the move, 
even if it, even if it was to the Lakers or the Seventy Six or the Rock, I would be looking at him totally different if he would have stayed in Cleveland. Because that 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 was a that was a great business decision, a great decision for his career as far as winning. Cleveland, who was Cleveland gonna attract? Cleveland didn't have no money. They didn't have no money. They didn't have a GM. After David Griffin left, at times they didn't have a GM. They have, they already have poor management and ownership. Why not leave? Why not? He delivered the promise that to the to the to the native people of Cleveland. He did his due. Why not leave? And when I said that, all oh, people laughed. I'm like, okay, you laughing, okay, okay. And when I, you know, when some people, when I tell my takes, when I give my takes, and when people ask for my opinion, they're like, oh, why do you do this? Why do you do that? And I give it to them, you laugh. I'm like, what are you? What, what is so funny? This is true. <laughs> if you, if you're, say you're at a job right now, you're at your job right now. You know, you at this, you at this IT company. You know, this little low budget local community IT company, right? You don't really like your coworkers. Supervisors kind of a pain. The people that sits over your supervisor, not really logistical, not really analytical enough, not really smart enough, to be honest. Poor management, poor ownership. Business is just not flowing in like it used to. And you're presented with an opportunity to leave, to go to Microsoft or Apple. You don't see that as a smart move or a good move. Like, look at look, look LeBron's first few years, first seven years in Cleveland. You know, he gives them time to, you know, bring some guys in, help build them, build, build the team around LeBron, right? You know, say you're just smart techie IT guy you're you at this you're at your local you work for your local IT tech company some little small IT tech company local not really known as a big national brand or power right and like I described you don't really care for your co-workers they're not necessarily at your skill level as far as when it comes to technology your supervisor's kind of a pain. Your hours and your wage is not really worth it. You know? But you're talented. You're talented. You're, when it comes to this computer stuff and this IT, you're talented. You're talented. And you believe you're one of the best. You know, poor ownership, poor management, and business isn't coming in like it used to. Or you guys are not getting the latest technology or IT um, models that you need to get things are just not things are just not flowing like it should be, and you get a chance, you get an opportunity to go meet up with your co- with your former college buddies, or you just get a chance to get out. And Microsoft offers you a job, you're not gonna take it. Are you gonna be that afraid? Are you gonna be that afraid to leave home? And leave your local IT company and leave the, the, the co-workers that you don't like or 
not necessarily don't like, but skill level's not good enough. Um, like, what? What? Like, come on. You're not taking that opportunity? Weird, right? So, I'm like, why do people hate when LeBron make these moves? Or Durant make these moves? Why? Like, why? It, It shouldn't be... Like, I don't get it. I don't get it why people make these like make these comments. Then David Griffin make the comments about LeBron. Oh, uh, LeBron is you know it was miserable working under those conditions. No, people took these contacts these comments out of context. He wasn't saying LeBron the person was miserable. Working with. It was a pain to work with. He was saying with all the media attention. And all what comes. And what you have to endure. With being. With LeBron. And being the GM of a LeBron led team. It comes with a lot. And it can be miserable at times. And you have to put things together. That you know. Not gonna that you know it's not gonna work long term, but you have LeBron and there's a win now. There's a win now urgency when you have LeBron, a LeBron led team. It's not about building for the future. You got to win now if you want LeBron. But Cleveland benefited. <laughs> like don't make this Cleveland benefited from. Cleveland benefited from these, from LeBron, definitely. And you can say it was miserable. You can say it was not the best working conditions. You can say all of those things. But Cleveland benefited. Cleveland benefited. So when people get mad at LeBron for making moves and leaving, like the Miami, D-Wade was aging. Chris Bosh had blood clocks. Miami didn't have enough cap space. They couldn't. They didn't want to go into luxury tax. They, I mean, they they already did, but they didn't want to go into it more to attract another star. LeBron said, "Okay, I, I gotta gotta get out of here. Guys getting older, guys retiring." LeBron's like, "I gotta get out of here." Smart move. Don't get mad at LeBron because he's making smart moves. Because you know, if you worked at that IT company. That your local IT company. And you know. You didn't like your co-workers. Or your co-workers weren't as talented as you. Or weren't as skilled as you. And that supervisor of yours. Just gets on your nerves. Don't. You know you would take any way out. So don't bash LeBron. When he makes these moves. Or when he made these moves. And when somebody tried to explain these moves. Don't bash them. And any time where I have to explain the moves and why he left, don't laugh at me. Because they're legitimate reasons. 
And there'll be reasons why you leave your job for a promotion somewhere else. Because you want to make a smart move financially, economically, socially maybe. So don't get mad or don't laugh or question the move. It was a smart move. Unless you can say otherwise. And then you'll be saying, oh, LeBron doesn't want to win. He just cares about numbers and stats and himself. No, he does want to win. He puts himself in the best situation to win. Miami was no longer a winning, a winning situation. It was no longer a winnable situation. He left, joined a young star in Kyrie Irving, forced a K-Love trade. He has himself a big three. He wins the title with them. They get older. Kyrie leaves. Kevin Love gets banged up. Still poor ownership, poor management. In the front office at Cleveland, he leaves for L.A. He brings AD to L.A. He builds a championship-looking roster. Do you see what the pattern is? You would do the same. You worked at, you worked at your local IT company. Things weren't going well. You would do the same if Microsoft came running and knocking at your front, your, your front doorstep and saying, Hey, take this job. Move out to California. We got you. You would do the same. You would leave. Unless you're scared to take new leaps in your life. You would, be, you, you would leave. Unless you're scared. You would leave. <clears throat> Segment two coming up. We're back to NFL. So we're back on the air for some NFL talk. I just had to bring up what happened or the the, the most recent news in NBA and what everybody's talking about. Um, I was going to bring Carmelo Anthony up. Um, he's definitely good enough to make a thirty, uh, uh, make one of these teams on a fifteen man roster. He's he's definitely good enough. There's no discussion about that. Um, so I want to get it. I want to get into some things in the NFL back to football, um, since it is football season. Um, let's talk about Big Ben and his comments about training camp and how well it's been going. Big Ben Roethlisberger was asked, um, how does he feel about training camp? How do you feel about the upcoming season? He said, training camp is great or paraphrase training camp is great. Uh, you know, this is great. This one, this has been one of the best training camps of my 16 year career. And then he says, not sure why this is an actual direct comment and phrase. He said, not sure why, but I am. So, um, I, it would be wrong for me if I, cause I got, I, I got on big, I got on Antonio Brown and I didn't necessarily have a problem with Le'Veon Bell, but I did disagree with some of his comments, but it would be wrong for me. It would be unfair if I did not address Big Ben and his leadership issues and qualities that I think he lacks. Um, Big Ben Roethlisberger, he's a great football player, but as far as being as far as being a good leader, being a good sportsman, and displaying leadership qualities as the quarterback of the of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
I think he's done a terrible job. I think he's done a terrible job. I think he's done an absolute terrible job. And some of this can start with the culture and what the Steelers have built these last few years with a lot of a lot with a lot of talent offensively. Some of this can be drawn back to that, but it all comes back to the quarterback. Um there's been multiple occasions during the past few seasons, like two seasons, where Big Ben goes on, you know, the radio radio stations and, you know, he basically calls out everybody or why or he basically explains why they lost or after a loss, why they lost, and he would point the finger at everybody else but him. I have a problem with that. I like Roethlisberger as a player. He's really good. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback for sure. But Big Ben Roethlisberger, he's immature. And this is Ben. This is Ben, but he's immature. He doesn't have great leadership skills because you don't see Tom Brady doing this. You don't see Tom Brady doing this. You don't see him publicly calling out, criticizing, throwing blatant, subtle shots at former teammates or teammates, period. You just don't see these types of things. Even with young guys like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson at the time had an entire locker room or a tire in it. Well, most of the defensive unit against him and looking at him and Pete Curl after the Super Bowl lost some type of way. Russell Wilson go, still goes out there, handles his business, do what he got to do, plays well, keeps, keeps Seattle afloat and competitive and relevant, and he keeps himself in the MVP conversation, and he goes out there and do his job. When he makes a when it's a mistake, when it's a loss, it's on him, and he puts it on him. Don't point the finger at the inexperienced wide receivers that he has. Don't point the finger at the inexperienced secondary that he has. Don't point the finger at the bad old line that he has encountered these last few years. He don't point the finger at none of them. He just goes out there and do what he has to do. If it's a loss, it's on him. If it's a win, it's everybody else. And that's why I love Russell Wilson. That's one of the reasons why I, I, I just love Russell Wilson. Roethlisberger, Ben, Big Ben, don't do that. Ben doesn't show those qualities. He don't show those. He doesn't have those characteristics. Instead, it's everybody else. It's everybody else. But it's you, Ben. It's you. When you point the finger, when you point the finger at somebody else, there are three other fingers pointing back at you. Point at, look, look, point at something and look. And look at how many fingers are pointing at you. Point your one finger at something. And look how many, point, how, look how many fingers that's pointing back at you. It's three more fingers pointing back at you. You pointing the finger at everybody else. Doing this wrong. Doing that. Dropping balls. Not coming to practice. Showing up. Complaining about contracts. But you going on radio stations publicly criticizing teammates after a loss. Even if the loss was due to you throwing interceptions. Okay. Like, Ben, ben lacks these leadership qualities. And, you know, 
and I don't know if he's using this as fuel for this upcoming season. I don't know if he's using that for I don't know I don't know, but these guys are over it. These guys are in Oakland. These guys, Le'Veon Bell is in New York. Antonio Brown's in Oakland. These guys are over it now. And I got on them. Mainly, mostly Antonio Brown. I got on him. I, I, I got on him about the comments that he was making and what he was doing. Totally inappropriate. But he's over it now. He's in Oakland. Ben is still talking about this. He's still throwing... Shady shots. So, I'm taking that all in account. I just hope Ben have a good year. And I think Ben is going to have a good year. And I think the Steelers are going to be, I think they're going to do, I think they're going to do better than what a lot of people expect. And I said this, I say, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to keep saying this about the Steelers and their division. Who has the best quarterback in a division right now in the AFC North between the Steelers, Browns, Ravens, and the Bengals? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has Ben Roethlisberger. He's the best quarterback in the division. Who has the best head? Who has the best head coach in the division? Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, or Baltimore? Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin. They have the best quarterback coach tandem in the league. I, I, I mean, in their division. If they, you have those two things set in place. You're okay. They're gonna be. I think the Steelers gonna be. I think the Steelers are just gonna be okay. They're gonna be okay. They're gonna be fine. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they go eleven and five, ten and six, because I think with those now, Big Ben does make a point where he may have a point where with these guys being out of the locker room, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and there's a talent gap and disparity. Um. I think the Steelers will get back to their culture. I think Mike Tomlin will have more time and energy to put into defense where defense have been lacking, and that's probably been that's been what's holding the Steelers back, aside from the egos and the culture thing and the culture things that they had going wrong, the cultural things that they had going wrong. Their defense have held them back in past years. So I think with Mike Tomlin getting some focus back and he's putting the culture back in place and installed, I think the Steelers are going to be better than what people assume. And, you know, I, I, the Steelers are Super Bowl dark horses. They're not mine, but they're gonna, I think they're going to be a Super Bowl dark horse. Be careful. I think Ben's going to have a good year this year. Despite him not being a good leader, I think he's going to have a good year. Um, Mike, like I said, Mike Tomlin, he installed the culture back in Pittsburgh. They're gonna get back to playing. They're gonna get back to being a good team, a good, well-functioned team. And he's gonna get back and have the focus and mindset for to prepare that defense and make that defense better. Um, that is his calling card. And with cause last year, still was one of the most penalized teams. Like most penalized team last year, they they clearly had a culture. Something happened. They, the, 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 the brotherhood within the Steelers and the culture just wasn't the same like it was with those championship teams or those, those 2000s teams. Something had happened and shifted. But I think they'd get back to that with Mike Tomlin. Like I said, their defense is young. I like what they did. They had some good performances down the stretch of the season. But 
they had some performances that, let's be honest, caused the Steelers a playoff berth. So I think the Steelers will get back to playing good football, good clean football that the Steeler fan base and the Steeler, the Steel Curtain that the Steel Curtain is used to. Um, let's move on to quarterbacks. And I've been talking a lot about quarterbacks, 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 quarterbacks. Um, so NFL execs, they came out with their list. And I just got four of the, I just got four of the top. I just got the top four. They came up with a list of best quarterbacks in the league. And I saw the NFL's the NFL Network top 100 players of 2019. Aaron Donald's very dominant. And those guys that I mean Breeze number three, I don't know about that. Disagree with that. But they had Brady at six. That's why I don't look at those NFL Network, ESPN, top 100s. Don't give a damn about those. I, I can care less about those. Those suck. So I do not give a damn about those lists. But NFL execs, they came up with Rodgers being the best quarterback at number one, Brady being number two, Breeze being at number three, and Mahomes at four. Um... Now, I gave you my tier of quarterbacks, but I didn't give you a one, two, three, four list. And we're just going to do a four because this, this, is, this is just what the NFL execs, well, this is what I got for the NFL execs. Rodgers at number one. I thought we were over this. With Rodgers not making the playoffs, Rodgers having his issues with Mike McCarthy, um, he, he he's... Definitely the most talented, but and I'm I would some people would probably argue that because of Mahomes, but the combination of legs, accuracy, arm strength, pre- precision passing, Rodgers have it, but he is not the best quarterback in the NFL. The guy that won the Super Bowl on February in February is the guy that is the best quarterback in the NFL, Tom Brady. Mr. Tom Brady is the best quarterback in football. Six championships, nothing else to be said. Best clutch quarterback, nothing else to be said. This is, I don't know how lists, I don't know how these people that do these quarterback lists and rankings could miss, like how, like how clear is it that Tom Brady is his and shoulders above even the top top tier quarterbacks, he is still heads and shoulders above those guys. And even Mahomes. I have Mahomes. I would switch Brady to number one, Mahomes to number two, and Rodgers to number three, and Breeze at number four. Mahomes, even with Mahomes, you saw it in the in AFC Championship game. The Patriots defense shut out Mahomes in the, in the, set, in the first half. Mahomes came back and had a good second half, but they shut him out in the first half. Brady is clearly, and he's his and show. It doesn't matter what weather conditions, home or away, doesn't matter. Brady is clearly, uh, clearly his and shows above the rest of the quarterbacks in the league, even the top tier ones. He's above. He's above them. I don't know how these lists get it wrong every time. 
and the only list that got it right, where I'm gonna give them the props, the only list that got it right that I saw was Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus, they did like a a real like deep dive scoop into the into the quarterbacks and what they do well and what they really do well and what they need to work on. They gave us a nice list and I thought it was well descriptive. Brady at number one. And it's no argument. Um, I would like, I'm going to give you this stat. I'm going to give you this stat. So with one step of separation, over the last three years, Brady leads all quarterbacks in those, in those type of completions. So that means Brady's accuracy is dead on, spot on, pinpoint. There's no missing it. It's right there in the bread basket, even with one step of separation. So the accuracy is there. Brady, he wins, of course. He's the best clutch quarterback in the league. When it comes to a two-minute drive, putting together a two-minute drive or a comeback or a fourth quarter, Brady, nobody do, nobody does it better than Brady. And I don't know how I don't know how these lists and these NFL executives and coaches continue to miss it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I know we get tired of Brady and we're a little Brady fatigue, but if the guy is if the guy is still the best quarterback in the league, why can't we just say that? Why can't we just say that? He's clearly a, he's clearly the best quarterback in the league. I think with Mahomes with the season he had, and you can tell that was not a fluke. You could just by the eyeball test, and this is what I mean by Brady. By the eyeball test, you can see that Brady schematically, game planning wise. Even with his body, Brady, he's he's better. He's just he's better than the rest of the quarterbacks in the league. He's better. Look at this. Age twenty-four to thirty-three, in a nine-year span. Brady, two hundred sixty-one touchdowns, a ninety-five point two quarterback rating, with three championships. And a one eleven and thirty two record. That's great, but get this: at age thirty four to forty one, a seven year span, two hundred and fifty six touchdowns, a hundred quarterback rating, three Super Bowl rings, and a ninety six and twenty eight record, win loss record. That's great, and that's from thirty four to forty one. You cannot tell me this guy is not the best quarterback in the league that's walking. You cannot t- you're not going to sit here and tell me that. You're not going to sit here and tell me that. Mahomes, I think what he showed me last year just by looking at the eye test, it was a great it was a good decision that Kansas City moved off Alex Smith, dip and dunk Alex Smith. It was a great move. It was a great move. And Mahomes, he's going to have a lot of good years in the on, on, coming up. He's going to have a lot of good years. Don't get me wrong. But Brady is still the man. And I don't know how. I, I just don't know how these lists get it wrong. I don't know how these people get it wrong. I don't know how these journalists and columnists and, and, and announcers get it wrong every time. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it how they get it wrong every time. I just don't get it. 
it's I find it crazy that they get it wrong every single time. Um, so I'm not gonna hold you long much longer. I just want to get into one more topic, and well, one more discussion, one more question. Who has more pressure? And I'm because I did this. This is my second time doing this. I first did it with Cam Newton and Matt Ryan. Then I did it with Dak and Carson Wentz. Now I'm doing it more pressure with Big Ben and Baker Mayfield. And this is an easy one for me, for in my estimate. This is an easy one. I think Baker Mayfield has more pressure on his shoulders coming into this season and throughout the season. With Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns winning their seven games, making a, uh, making a seven-win win improvement from the previous year, they have expectations already. But then to add flame, to add fuel to the fire, they bring in Odell, they bring in all these guys, Sheldon Richardson, they have all these pieces. Baker's been talking a lot of junk. Baker clearly had, in, in, in America, in not just Cleveland, but a lot of other people want to see the Browns do well. And I think they're gonna. I think they are, but this means they have much more pressure on them. If the Browns were to go nine and seven this year, to me, I think that's realistic. That can re- that can realistically happen. But if the Browns go nine and seven this year, a lot of people and they struggle to make the playoffs. They barely get in, and they struggle to make the playoffs. A lot of people are gonna be looking at Baker Mayfield, and they're gonna be like. Dude, you told me you guys were this. You told me you guys were that. What the hell is going on? What, 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 what's going on? What happened, Baker? What happened, Baker? Why are the Browns 9-7? I thought they were going to go 11-5, 12-4. But mind you, I think 9-7 is realistic. I think 9-7 is real realistic. I'm look at like I told you guys earlier in earlier episodes these past few weeks. I look at this brown this this brown schedule <laughs> in beginning months, September, October, there's a lot of tough games. There's a lot of tough games. And when you have a culture like the Browns where you're used to losing and you know, say if the Browns they go on a losing streak. They lose two. They lose two straight. And on that third game, they going into the locker room. They trailing. How do you think they feeling? How do you think some of those Brown, them them Cleveland, them Cleveland Brown fans feeling? Them Cleveland, them Cleveland Browns players that have been on that was on that zero and sixteen team or that's been on losing teams. How do you think they gonna feel? They probably like, oh boy. Here we go again with the losing with the losing and the losing season. Here we go again. Because they have a losing culture. They have a lo- they have a losing culture and they have no players on that roster. They have, they barely have any players on that roster. Players on that roster that has won. So they win it. They're on a two game losing streak and the third game they trail at halftime. I think some doubt, I think some clouds are going to come in some of those players in that locker room. They're going to be like, oh boy, here we go again. Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble. 
when you have a losing culture like that, that's how it, that's how it happens. Patriots losing streak or trailing by at trailing trailing at halftime. They're like, oh no, no, they're making adjustments. Belichick's making adjustments. He's going, he's doing this, he's doing that. Everybody doing their job. It's a lot of optimism. It's a, it's a lot of excitement. Browns two game losing streak. They're like, uh, I don't know. Here we go again. That's what I think. That's what's gonna come in. They have a first year. I think the Browns nine and seven. Not saying they're gonna go nine and seven, but would it surprise me? No, it would not. And it, I know nine and seven will surprise a lot of people. And despite them, even if they go nine and seven, even if they just get in the playoffs, a lot of people will count this season as a failure due to all of the hype and due to some of the I mean some of the hype has been by the media and built up. Due to the media, but uh, some uh, ha- the other half of this hype was kind of built up by Baker and the Browns and the them talking, them taking every interview, all the TV time on ESPN, Sports Center, them doing all this, the Odell GQ, like half of this hype is built in due to the Browns and Baker, and it's due to them. And if I know if they go nine and seven. And if they miss the playoffs, or they go nine and seven, or they barely squeak into the playoffs, and they're out first weekend, a lot of a lot of people will look at that as a failure. But me myself, I will look at that as being realistic. You guys are you guys have a losing culture. You guys are a losing organization. You guys haven't won nothing. You won seven games last year. You add a couple talent here and there, okay. Nine and seven, you get to the playoffs. That's a start, realistically. That this is how it happens. This is how it works. You just don't. You in the NFL, you just don't. In, in, just about in any sport, you just don't put teams together and it just happens. Some most of the time, sometimes it's like that, but sometimes it just don't happen. Look at the Raptors. Look what the rap look at what look at what the Raptors had to endure just to get their first title. Look what they had to endure to, just to get to the first their first finals appearance. All those years when they had to lose to LeBron, all those years where they had been let down by Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, all those years where they've been bouncing the second round or the conference finals, all those years, all that disrespect. They call Lebronto and the baby dinosaurs. All those years, fifty win seasons and all, all those years. Look at what look at what they had to endure just to get to their first finals appearance. Never, not the nevertheless, their first championship. Look at what they had to endure. So it just don't happen easily like that. Look at look what look what they had to endure. Look at what the Warriors had to go through to get to the dynasty that they are. Look at, look at, look at it. Like I said, all success don't come at the same rate. Success doesn't happen at the same time. It doesn't happen the same way. Success can come at different rates and speeds. Look at the Warriors. Steph ankles, 
the clay trade, the trade clay, the tra- the cl- the trade clay rumors. Draymond, his development as a player. Happened to fire Mark Jackson. First round exits. Second round exits. Look what they had to endure just to get their first few titles. Their dynasty. Just look. Just look at what they had to go through. The Eagles. All those years of losing. Especially in the 2000s. They have Andy Reid. They got good teams with Donovan McNabb. And Brian Westbrook. They got good teams with Mike Vick. They got good teams here and there. They had to go through a lot. Just to get their first Super Bowl title. And then they lose their MVP quarterback. And at nearly at the end of the season. He's having an MVP type season. They had to bring in the backup. They had to do this, do that. Look at what they had to go through. Just to get their first Super Bowl title. So if the Browns go 9-7 and seven this year. They go 8-7. And they miss the playoffs. Or they, they sneak into the playoffs. And the back end is a wild card. And they lose on wild card weekend. That, to, to me, to me, because I'm going to be realistic. I'm a realist. That's what I am. I'm a realist. With me being realistic and them having a losing culture and them not winning anything, them having a second-year quarterback, a first-year rookie, a first-year head coach, and just a team full of guys that's talented, of course. Can't get that wrong. That's talented. But having won nothing? I appointment. But, because I'm a realist, but people have high hopes for the Browns. And if that was to happen, people will look at that as a failure. Just saying. People will, people will look at that as a failure. And with Big Ben and the Steelers, I think there's less pressure because a lot of people are counting the Steelers out. Even some Steelers fans are not as confident as they are or as they usually are. They're not as confident this year coming into the year. But I tell them, you have the best coach and you have the best quarterback in your division. You have a chance just watch. There's not much there's not much pressure on the Steelers. A lot of people are not really paying attention to the Steelers. They're not they don't have the Steelers winning the division. So there's less pressure on the Steelers and Roethlisberger. There's more on Baker and the Browns. You know, if the Steelers go 8 and 8, 9 and 7 this year, a lot of people going to be like, "Yeah, that's just about what I had them at 8 and 8, 9 and 17." Yeah, Roethlisberger had a good year. They got back to Steelers football, but the Browns just were just were a little better. That's what people are going to say if the Steelers season end like that. They go seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven. People will be like, "Yeah, that's what I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be in that that eight and eight, nine and seven range." The Browns go eight and eight. If the Browns go eight and eight. There might be a ride in Cleveland if the Browns go eight and eight. <laughs> there may be there there very may there very well may be a riot, a riot in Cleveland if the Browns go eight and eight or nine and seven. 
and miss the playoffs or nearly squeak in and don't even win a playoff game, people going to be pissed. People going to be pissed. It's going to be crazy. So, you know, it's more pressure on the Browns. People probably think the Browns go 10 and 6. No, nothing lower than 10 and 6. That's what people think. No, nothing lower than 10 and 6. They're going to win the AFC North. They're going to get a home playoff game. That's what people are thinking. Realistically, I have them about 10 and 6, 9 and 7. But don't tell people 9 and 7. Because that's when they'll be like, oh, what happened? Did somebody get hurt? What happened? But I look at that schedule. First year head coach, second year quarterback. Lot of lot of talent, but some egos in that locker room. It would not surprise me if the Browns go nine and seven. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for keeping up. Um, football season. I don't know how many times I'm gonna say it. It's here. It's not approaching us. It's here. It's here to stay for the next few months. As it get colder, Christmas comes by. The New Year. Then by the time you know it, it'll be in February and we'll be watching the Super Bowl. So, thank you guys for listening once again. Keep me in all, your, keep me in all you guys' prayer and I'm out.